Alan Shearer. Ooh. Ah. Ah. I want to know how you scored that goal. Yes, Gary Lineker. <laughs> um, welcome to the rest is football. I'm sorry. I know I can't sing for Toffee, um, but I, I've tried my best. We can only start in one place this week. Really, Micah, can't we? We want to know the full lowdown of your day in the terraces uh, with the Newcastle fans at an away game. Yes. Uh, from the very start, though. Yeah, don't we may, pick pieces. From the very start. Let correct. the people know, Alan. Correct. We talked about it a little bit, didn't we, on um, on the live game that we did at Newport um, yesterday, which is mm. why we're recording this on a Monday morning, not our customary Sunday night, because... Um, we all got home very late. We talked about it briefly, but this is the place where we can talk about it in more depth. Come on, Al. how did it come about? Well, my son, my son said to me Friday night, Saturday morning, because I was heading down to uh, to London anyway, because I couldn't get to Newport, leaving Newcastle on Sunday morning, because I'd have to leave at stupid o'clock in the morning. So I thought I'll head down to London and then stay, stayed with a family in uh, in London. And my son said to me, Dad, I've got a spare ticket. You said you're always going to come to an away game with me. Come, Why don't you come to the game? And I was like, are you mad? And he said, oh, come on. You'll love it. Honestly, it'll be amazing. And I was like, actually, it's not a bad idea. And then the more I thought about it, the more I thought, ah, sod it. I'm going to do it. Why not? I've never been yeah. in there since 1985, I think it was. And then I said, right, I'm in. And he's like... Really? Seriously? I said, yeah, I'm coming. He actually asked you, didn't he, earlier in the season, I remember. Wasn't it a Champions League game? And you told him, I think you told him to, fuck off. <laughs> I did, yeah. It was uh, Paris Saint-Germain. He said, why don't you come to Paris Saint-Germain? And I thought, I said to him, are you mad? I said, can you imagine me in, in with four or five thousand? I said, we'll never see any football. Anyway, he persuaded me and I went, oh my God, I'm definitely going to do it again. I absolutely loved it. It was like... It was everything. It was chaos, madness, excitement. It was just brilliant. I mean, the, the atmosphere. You must have got deluged with like selfies and autographs. And It was all fine. It was all good natured. I mean, as soon as the game kicked off, no one asked for pictures. They just let me stand there and watch the game. But I mean, I got in there at, I don't know, about quarter past six and we kicked off at seven. So for 45 minutes, it was, it was a constant line of doing... Doing pictures and then half time came and then it was fifteen minutes of doing pictures. But that's fine. I don't that's I mean yeah. everyone was really respectful and they were great. It was great to be amongst the uh, the Geordies. What was the best part of it? Well, obviously seats there, no one ever sits down. And I said to my son, <laughs> Right, well, here's my here's the ticket. Where where are we sitting? He looked at me as if I had two heads. Dad <laughs> He said to me, no one bloody sits down in the away end. What's up with you? And I said, okay, well, so where's our seat then? He says, you don't even have to sit on, you just get in there. It's fine. You just stand where you stand. It's like, so So we just got in there and I'm thinking, someone's going to ask us to come and move seats in a minute, you know, because I pulled my <laughs> yeah. hood up and then. Did you actually attempt to go in disguise? Like, Because I saw you in a woolly hat and you were quite <laughs> well covered, but they wouldn't last five minutes, would it? Well, I walked, I, when we walk into the stadium, I sort of had my hood up and my hat on and then walking in the underpass and that but once I was in the stand yeah it's um one person recognized me and then that was it so I thought just pull your hood down and your hat's enough so um yeah but it was honestly it was just and and of course with the atmosphere being so good because Newcastle were winning uh, and won it was just non-stop from the moment the game kicked off to the end of the game the singing and the passion and everything was just it was amazing to be part of you join in the singing 
Because she loves the song. I mean, a li- a li- a- actually, it Did was he really. Join it? He it was like, it, 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 <laughs> that's what they started seeing as well. They started seeing Shira, Shira, give us a song. And I was thinking, shall I start a song or not? Am I going to look a right dickhead here? I bet you sang your own song, didn't you? Ooh, <laughs> uh, anyway, it was uh, it was it was great to be a part of. I absolutely loved it. I'm definitely going to do it again. Yeah, fantastic, brilliant. And a decent win as well, which probably yeah. uh, made it, didn't it? Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, to uh, to go there where I, where I thought, yeah, we've got a decent chance of winning at uh, at Fulham, and I always know there's a great atmosphere there because that end behind it, the the uh, in Craven Cottage, is amazing. Always when Newcastle go there, it's full. So I thought it's a good game to go to. We've got a good chance of winning. Why not? And we did. So it was really special. You mentioned yesterday how it tends to heighten the emotions and if the referee makes a kind of questionable decision, etc. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I did. I was thinking, you know, when the ref makes a, yeah. a, a poor decision, you can hear all the fans going, That's fucking useless and I found myself doing the same to the referee in front of the fans I'm thinking if the cameras are on me now that's <laughs> 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 that's oh, honestly I had to think calm down Al. you might get sacked here for a shout at the referee uh, uh, so you're with your son um, you, your daughter my was son there, my daughter uh, her boyfriend and a couple of my son's pals yeah I had a few pints had a, a bit to eat after the game it was Bloody brilliant it was. Yeah, next step, the Gallagate, isn't it? The Gallagate, no, that might be different. <laughs> <laughs> you might need security, Al. I'm available. Yeah. Just give me the dates. <laughs> uh, you, Roy Keane needs you. <laughs> we'll move on. We, we were all at, um, at the game in Newport um, yesterday. And, and again, the, fa- the fans were lovely to us and um, singing songs. And actually loads of people shout, oh, I love the podcast and all yeah. that, which was um, Great. Uh, massively appreciated. Uh, brilliant atmosphere. I mean, I must say after 10 minutes of the game, I thought, this is just going to be a really boring, damp squib, Man United, comfortable victory. But Newport came back and gave a real run for their money, didn't they? Yeah, it was It was one of them games where you're thinking, okay, FA Cup feel, something special about the Cup. And after the first 10, 15 minutes, we're all thinking, for us, the game's done now. It's it's going to be 3 4 5 nil to Man United and it's going to sort of spoil our afternoon. And then... Newport found some confidence, whether that was the crowd, whether it was just the the wonder strike. Of course, it took a little bit of a deflection with Morris scored on 36 minutes. But then they just had that little bit of belief and then it made for a, a great game. I thought Man United were very good though. And a lot of people say, okay, they're only playing against League Two side, but you've still got to get it done. We've all been to them grounds where it's tough. And Gaz, you made a really good point about Back in the days. This is the first time for a, everything. I was just about to say. beat you to it, Lower league teams, when you go there, they had the advantage because where at the top level are used to playing on beautiful, great pitches. But when you used to go down a level, it used to be really tough. But Newport's pitch was mm. actually too good. And Man United could play their football on it, couldn't they? Yeah, you can knock it around on all the surfaces. Now, it's so rare that you go to a ground where um, the actual playing surface is not up to scratch. I mean, 
They're all so good. So one thing I've I've said this many times before. It's the one thing I look at the modern game with absolute envy. Um, and no, not necessarily the money, but the playing on those surfaces week in, week out. I mean, how do you miss? How do you miss when a ball's rolled across on the? <laughs> it was a bit of a leveler, wasn't it? Like I don't know, thirty, yes. forty years ago, wasn't it? I mean, you were you were literally in your ankles in mud and everything. I mean that was on big grounds, you know. So you, God knows what it was like when you went to this to the smaller clubs, so-called smaller clubs or lower league clubs. Um, yeah, the pitch yesterday was it was no problem at all. And Man United, you can you could actually see, you know, when the players walk there, thinking this is not so bad after all. But I thought their I thought their attitude was great. Probably the biggest problem Manchester United had going into the game was a, another possibly self-inflicted one, of course, with. Uh, with Marcus Rashford um, left out the squad, well, through reporting ill and then seen on a night out in Belfast and then reporting sick the next morning. Ten Hag was obviously put on the spot yet again. Uh, Kelly Summers, I thought, did a great job, uh, pushed him on it and he said he kept insisting it was just an internal matter. Which suggests that it's um, it is a genuine issue once again for the club. What's going on with with Marcus? Do you think? I mean, if it if it if it is true, and we've only had the reports, but you're right. And Ten Hag was saying uh, it's an internal matter, which suggests that there, there is definitely something in it. That it is a matter. Yeah, that it is a matter. Yeah. I mean, it must be so frustrating for the Man United fans because they've had it with Sancho. They've had it they've now had it with him. It's like. What on, what on earth is happening? I mean, Ten Hag was brought in because there was a complete lack of discipline at uh, one of the reasons he was brought in at Manchester United. So he's trying his very best to sort that out. He's already had to discipline him once for being late for a meeting. He left him out of a game. Now, if it's the first time, you, you might you, well, you do, you accept it because everyone makes mistakes. The second time you think, but for it to continue to happen and question marks keep coming along about players' attitudes and being late and calling in sick or being in nightclubs three days before the game. What the hell? Seriously, man, it's such a bloody short career. Have a look at yourself. Get yourself together. Get some decent management um, who are prepared to tell you that this is not acceptable and get out on the pitch like you did last season and score 30 goals instead of a, I don't know, paltry, what is it, four goals this season? Come on. I mean, there's such a good talent in there. What a waste if he gets to the end of his career and has huge regrets and looks back thinking, oh, I should have done that differently. What a complete waste if that were to happen. Yeah, I, I suppose a lot, you know, a lot of players, and it was certainly going back to my generation, happened all the time, that they, they, they would go out for a drink a midweek. Because this we're not talking about the night before a game here. So it's three or four days before a game. That's, that often happens, but obviously things have changed a little bit now. Everybody, everybody is carrying a camera with them. So, you know, you're going to get spotted. I'm not saying you can't go out and stuff like that. But I think one thing you've got to realise is that even if you genuinely do feel ill after it, and even if it's not, you know, even if it's not a hangover or who knows whether anyone, whether they drink or not. But you got to turn up for training because <laughs> that was always the thing, wasn't it? I remember back in the day at Tottenham and players had, come in the next morning, you could see them hung over and they'd had a few too many drinks and they'd put bin bags on, put a couple of arms in the, through it and um, try and sweat it all out. So you can't give people an excuse to have a pop at you, basically. No, you, you, you can't. And 
obviously I'm the most recent retired. And mm. So I sort of know the the new school dressing room as it were, even though the game's always changing. But I've been out during the week. I've been out, I've had fun and may not have drank or, but I would never not come in to training the next day. That's a bit mm. what I don't really understand. You can have fun, enjoy it. And to be honest, the majority of time you go out when you're playing well. You know when things are not so great at the club, what are they, eighth in the league? And you're like, you know, you're going in the FA Cup and, you know, he's not been in the best of form. Like Alan said, you would just like, and if you're going to go out, you don't go out in Belfast where everyone knows who you are. I understand if you're in New York or some somewhere in America where you can go, you know, hiding, but... The only thing I found interesting about the whole thing is Ten Hag could have protected him in terms of, he could have said, no, Rashford wasn't supposed to be available. I give him days off. And yeah, I, I knew he was going out. I told him to go let his hair down. But the fact that he said it was an internal matter, look, we don't know exactly what happened, but we know as, as former players, when a manager basically says it's an internal matter that Rashford's done wrong. He said it, it was there for all for us to see. And that is a bit, I have to agree with Alan, it's just so disappointing. When I look back in my career, and yes, a lot of it is injury, but some of it was, oh, I didn't really give 100% or could I have done more. And I didn't have half the ability that Rashford has got. And... If he finishes career with, you know, a lot of Man United appearances, but not that many trophies, let's be honest, he should be a starter for England and a starter for Man United with 20, 30 goals a season. And at this moment, it's just a massive distraction that him and the club just don't need. It needs to be sorted out one way or the other because yeah. I said it yesterday also on the TV tonight. It, it, he's either got problems at home or the relationship at the club is, is broken down somehow. Either way, whatever it is, it needs to be sorted out because it's helping no one at this moment in time. Actually, one of my favourite moments of the of the game yesterday, moving along to to cheerier matters, was was the, the one of the brilliant songs that the the Newport fans um, <laughs> were, were singing, and the kind of um, self deprecation and and making a, a kind of joke at, at at their own expense when they started singing "Sheep Shagging Bastards." We know what we are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, I'm brilliant. Absolutely. I mean, it just made me cry. Um, I didn't hear that. Did you hear that one, Michael? It was actually, that. it was actually when I because we we had one of those kind of manufactured little tiny studios that we self built in the corner of the ground, and there was the, obviously there's no loo around, so you have to go out and down, and there was kind of port loos in the distance, and there are loads of fans there, and then on the side there was a all the fans and I just as I just caught them singing <laughs> shoot shagging bastards we know what we are <laughs> I just thought it was absolutely absolutely brilliant fantastic um, yeah let's let's move on to um, the, the, the Liverpool game uh, against Norwich which we while we were in the before our build up we were watching obviously this is the first game post Klopp announcement that he'll be resigning at the end of the season Alan and myself did a did a special. We couldn't find you, Micah. Where were you? <laughs> I was in the gym. I had meetings. I was I was out for the day. 
I was getting my beard and my hair cut. So we, we need to get your view on it because Alan and myself, I, I don't, we did about 15 minutes, one of this kind of special episode, emergency pod, if you want to call it. The emergency pod, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, what more can I add to, to what you guys have already said? He's an elite manager. And you know what? The aftermath is really annoying me. And Why? people are saying, oh my God, Klopp's such a great manager because... He only won the league once, but it's irrelevant. He's got to three Champions League finals. It's where he took them from to where they are now. The challenging up against one of the best sides ever in the Premier League in Man City. What more do you want from, from him? I think he's an unbelievable manager. I think he's, you know, normally when you say, what has a manager got? I think he's got everything. I think he's great man manager. I think he's great tactically. I think he he knows how to get the, the best out of his team. So he's a motivator as well. I wouldn't say he changed the game in terms of tactics like Pep in creating different positions, but I would say the Gagan press, he made it really valuable for Liverpool and how they want to attack and defend as well. It brought the high line and I know Trent's moved from right back into midfield as well. So he's been fluid. He's got absolutely everything. And it'd be sad to see him go. It really will because he brings so much entertainment on the line as well. He's sensitive as well. Even in his interviews. I remember I was doing BBC one time. I said something. I was actually praising him. And he said, what did Micah say? I was, like, <laughs> I, I was praising you. Calm down, you know. Micah, the fact that he knows your name. You should have been but yeah i think all round he's just been brilliant and i'm you know what i want uh, sad's a strong word but i'm disappointed he's leaving because the rivalry with man city has been great it'll be like that at the uh at anfield uh for every home game now won't it from now till the uh to the end mm. of the season the yeah uh, the reception he'll get and rightly so because he's been amazing for them yeah no question it was it, it felt like quite an emotive um afternoon at Liverpool and the, obviously the team didn't disappoint. They banged him five goals. What's it like to interview Gary? He was, he was great. I did it a couple of times. In fact, I did one which the BBC put out when, um, when that, he first yeah. arrived at the club and you got it almost immediately. You could tell how, I think, clever he was, um, how motivated he was, the energy that he had. And, uh, he, was, and he was lovely. And he took me around the Liverpool training ground and um, he had a big map. And that, that's the bit that the B mm. put out. He said, I've heard of all these clubs, but I don't know where they are. And we pointed on the map and he actually, he spotted where Leicester were. And then I think I said something like, it's quite hard to find Tottenham Hotspur on the map. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but you could see that infectious enthusiasm um, that he has was was a media. I interviewed him. I don't know, probably three or four times during his his tenure so far. And I, th I think the last time I did it was on the way to winning the league. Um, was at Norwich, and um, and we sat down in the dugout and had a. And he's always, you know, he just he just gets it. And I think one of the important things that that I think Alan said it on a special podcast that we did on Friday. He said that he immediately he had that dynamic and that kind of... Connection. Connection's the word. That's the right word, Alan. Yeah, connection with the Liverpool people, um, not just the fans. And he, he just got it, didn't he, immediately? 
he's a grafter, he's a worker. That's what they are in um, in, in Liverpool. And and straight away he understood uh, what he had to do and how he had to do it and how he had to communicate with the uh, with the Liverpool fans. And he did it from day one. And that's one of the reasons why they love him because they feel as if he's one of them and he's exactly the same as them. And I think you have to be that way. You have to get the area you're working in straight away. And he got it. Yeah, I, I, I think the obviously the owners have known for a little while, but it's it, it was quite clear, and I have this on good authority that the players didn't know until the morning of the announcement. But I suppose that they wanted to keep it quiet, don't they? Yeah, because as soon as you had told the players, you know, if you're telling a group of twenty five people, it's somehow it'll get out. One of them will tell their, yeah, you know, yeah. their mate or their brother, and he'll tell someone, and he'll tell someone, and it'll end up in the newspaper or something. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure all the top people knew at the club um, just just not the players um but yeah and it was i think i said it as well didn't i it was done in a classy way there was no no one got it as an exclusive it didn't mm. secretly get out he he did it the right way he did it himself and told the fans yeah i, I think it was all done in the uh, in in the correct way uh, van dyke spoke didn't he before the game about the players having an extra motivation going into to the rest uh, of the season. It's quite unusual, isn't it, that you, you're with a manager that you know um, is going to quit. I had a sim- different but a similar thing with Bobby Robson um, when he was England manager, of course. Um, we went into Italia 90 um, knowing that um, Bobby was going to leave after the tournament. And I think that, it, that, you know, it, it just, I think it's a bigger bonding at that point. It like, creates a bit of affection, a little bit more emotion. Possibly. Did that help though, Gary? Um, well, we didn't win it, Michael. <laughs> but we went bloody close. Um, mm. I mean, the truth is you'd, you'd run through a brick wall for your country anyway, and you've run through a brick wall for, for, for Sir Bobby. Um, so I don't know. And it's like, even with Liverpool now, the one thing you look at all these teams, you're never going to say, mm, well, they could do with a bit more motivation because they're not <laughs> giving it all because they do, don't they? Yeah. Because he's a natural motivator anyway. So I don't know, maybe it'll carry the, I think perhaps we know it's always an incredibly tough and, and actually quite exciting place to play Liverpool because of, yeah. of that incredible is support. Great, isn't it? Yeah. It and, is. and, and it's going to be off the charts, as I said, from, but every game at Anfield in between now and the end of the season, the atmosphere will be, um, not that it isn't anyway, but it'll be extra special because they'll want to roar him to success. Quadruple to sign off, Michael. <laughs> would, would be nice for them, wasn't it? But <laughs> would be I, nice. I, I, I don't. So, I don't yeah. think. I don't think it's reality. Yeah. I, I don't. I, I don't. No, think, I, I mean, think that's incredibly difficult. But a yeah. great chance in the league. That's the one he'd really want, Michael, isn't it? The league. Yeah, the, the league's the one that you really want. And are we? You know, the quad. Are we? Are we? Counting Europa League is a is a is a yeah. massive cup now. It has I mean, to I thought, be, no, Mike. It has to be. be. Hey, I'm just asking oh, the questions. It's I'm, a European know, trophy, Micah. I mean, you hang on a minute. Would you sooner win? Is and they're in both competitions. Would you sooner win the Europa League or the Carabao Cup? I mean, come on, mm, Micah. Because well, I've done a couple of sponsors with Carabao Cup. I would say the Carabao Cup. <laughs> <laughs> What better way and what better moment than to take a little break um, where we'll hear from some of our sponsors, none of which I believe at present are the Carabao Cup people. (laughs) 
Welcome back to The Rest is Football with Alan Shearer, Micah Richards and uh, me, Gary Lineker. And we've been discussing so far um, the FA Cup weekend and um, been some great games, great stories. I want to talk about Maidstone. How can we not talk about Maidstone? What an amazing uh, performance that was to go to Ipswich Town. I know they played a bit of a weakened side, but um, given the gap in the, uh, the pyramid between the two, and I think they're their first team from that kind of lower tier to get through to this stage of the FA Cup since a club in your neck of the woods, Alan. Blythe. Blythe Spartans. Mm, yeah. yeah. 78, I think. What yeah. a performance. What a result. You could see what it meant to all their fans and players and manager and yeah, rightly so. What a day out for them. I mean, I heard their manager say beforehand everything might have to fall for them. A bit of, bit of luck. You might need the keeper to play well. Well, all of those things happened and then you had incredible determination on top of that and that's how they got through. So, yeah, amazing for them. The scenes were great. It was good to see. What a day out. Did you see George Ellicobi before the yeah. before the game addressing the supporters and stuff? Yeah. Brilliant, Brilliant stuff. What a what job a day he's for doing. Them, mate. Yeah. It was it was class. But go on, did you see the goals? Come on, Reynolds' goal, the little cheeky oh, dig. Oh, eh? You must be able to. Left footer. Yeah. Wow. Messi-esque. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Oh, it was just, it was great to see. Like you said, they did have a weakened team. It's, but you still got to go and do it, haven't you, Gary? You still got to go and do it and they did it. Fair play yeah. to them. Well, it's, it's, it's a really difficult thing to do. And it, you've got to remember, well, they were away from home. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that is um, so tough and it was so unlikely, wasn't it? And 98 places between them and the football. I mean, pyramid. I don't want to be disrespectful here, so don't take this the wrong way. <laughs> Coventry or Sheffield Wednesday. But yeah. did, you, did you see the reaction of all the club and everyone else, the fans, when the draw was made yesterday? <laughs> I felt a bit sorry for them when they were pulled out again. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh. Yeah. I think even the fans of Coventry and Sheffield Wednesday might. But they'll be chuffed with the draw. I suppose yeah, because there's a good chance to go through, but yeah, yeah, because you, you, obviously <laughs> you'd you'd want a Liverpool, a Manchester United, a Manchester, it's, you know, one of the, wouldn't you? Yeah, but they, they might get past the next round, eh? You well, that's know. perhaps the way yeah. they're thinking, but I I suspect they're not. Yeah, they want to go to the yeah, they want to go to the big. Yeah. They wanted one of the biggies. Yeah. Oh God, absolutely. A um, bit of trouble in the black country. The game between West Bromwich Albion and Wolves, obviously um, one or two Wolves fans were somehow in the um, West Brom end and, and, and it kicked off and it, it felt like a scene from back in my day. It's kind of late 70s and 80s when, when we saw that that sort of thing was was commonplace and the last thing we want to see is, is that back in the game. Hopefully it's just a one-off. 100%. It needs to be because, I mean, come on, we... We all have the passion. We all like to, to win. And we, you know the history. It's a, it's, a, it's a big derby. I played in a derby with Villa against Birmingham. And I know how ferocious it can be. Obviously, I played in a Manchester derby. But the scenes were absolutely awful. Come on. We're better than that. Football's moved on from that. It's just... I know they've not played each other for a long time. And... The emotion got the better of them, but the scenes were, were ugly. You know, players having to go into the to crowd to get the families out and worried about what's going to happen. It's it's too, and not just the, the the players, everyone in the stadium. It's just it's not good enough. It's really not. Yeah, hopefully it's just a one-off and we don't see that uh, ever again. Yeah, it was nasty. It was horrible. and It was really worrying, you know, when you're seeing some of the players going in and Mike has just said it there about getting 
getting their kids out so their kids are safe. It's like, Jesus Christ, come on, man, this is 2024. It's not 40 or 50 years ago where that was quite a common thing. Bloody hell. No, hopefully, hopefully we'll never see it again. One for you, Gary. Why do you think it is starting to creep back into... I'm not just talking about this country. I'm talking about in football in general. It's You're starting to see it a lot over the last couple of years. What do you think the reason is for that? I'm not sure it's even just football, Micro. is it? Mm. Doesn't it come from beyond that? You know, you're looking at you know people driving wedges, culture wars, divisive stuff between whether it's, you know, people, religions, colours, people's skin, all sorts of things. The, you know, there's wars breaking out all over the place. It's an incredibly uh, worrying time. Um, I think it's just just human beings. You know, what, we we you know whether we're tribal or you know we it that, that kind of almost prehistoric instincts. I I don't know. It's um, we just want a bit of kindness and a bit of love and a bit of enjoyment, which is actually what you mostly get. I think in uh, at football games. I mean, uh, you know, you, you get a bit of banter and you get a bit of fun. Um, Alan talked about his experience at, at Craven Cottage uh, amidst the fans. I, I suppose as well, you know, who knows whether, you know, a bit too much to drink or, you know, there's a lot of talk about like substances taken now, illegal substances before games, stuff like that, that, that might generate that kind of, um, that kind of stuff. I don't know. I do, you know, who knows on, on these things, but, um, just enjoy the football. That's what we yeah, really want, exactly. isn't it? Just in, in exactly. go, and, go and enjoy the game. And I tell you, he's enjoying his game at the moment. Going to go further afield as we, as we often do on this podcast. Ruben Loftus-Cheek, two goals again for Milan. He's, he's doing really well over there. He used to play. He's another one, actually. I mentioned before that one of my sons was at Chelsea's Academy for a few years. And um, he, was, he played with Ruben Loftus-Cheek. And it was funny because when I, I used to watch them play lots of games, and I used to think, Mm, this kid will make it and if he doesn't then I really don't know anything about the game and um, he's having a really good career he's doing well over there It's interesting because we interviewed him uh, a couple of times at Champions League him being at Milan like you said and it was always strange because when he first came, he first made his debut, you're thinking, wow, this is a special talent and then he's at Chelsea and then sometimes he played as a, as a wing back, as a midfielder, as a number 10, sometimes even on the left. And you're like, I'm, I'm not sure what his actual position is because he's really good technically. And he wanted to play like number 10, but he didn't really have the legs to get up and down, but he's really good on the ball and he can control the tempo of a game. So maybe going out to Italy where the tempo's a little bit slower and obviously very good technically and then being able to make them third man runs into the box it's just helped him a little bit and maybe not having the pressure of the Premier League maybe has helped him as well over there with his mate Tamori. I was just about to say it's a very similar story to Tamori, isn't it? Yeah well it's, it's one of those now Al if people always ask me what was Italy like and you know I we went to Fiorentina but these boys are playing for Fiorentina's a, a, a top club but Milan's one of the, the very big clubs and it's like, would you stay in the Premier League and be 15th, 16th, 17th? Or would you take that leap and go to a Serie A and play Champions League football, play in the San Siro, play against top players? And then I think that's the way to go. I really do. You've got to respect them for doing that, haven't you? For thinking, no, got to go out. Got to, There's a huge opportunity to play for a giant of a football club and for them to... It's not easy packing up your bags, is it, and, and going abroad and moving everything over there and taking that plunge and 
You've got to respect them for doing that. Well, as someone who's did it myself like you did, Micah, it's, it, it's just a great life experience as well. You know, it gives you an opportunity perhaps to learn another language, to, to live with a different culture. And also, you know, there are different styles of football around the world. And it, it, it increases your, you know, it's, it's great for your education in terms of just the sport as well, in, in, ter in terms of play. For example, Loftus-Cheek now, he was, you know, obviously mostly when he played here, he was kind of more of a, perhaps a six or an eight. But now in the last few games, he's playing more as a 10 for, for Milan. And so he's, you know, he's increasing his knowledge um, of the game. And it, I think it, it, it definitely improved me as a player. Um, no question about that, my all-round game. And as you said, great life experience. It's like yeah. brilliant. Okay, I want to change um, the subject a, a, a little bit because there's, there was a big story um, last week um, in the game between Anderlecht and Genk. There was a decision, funny enough, Kasper Schmeichel was in goal for it. Um, there was a penalty taken. It was saved by Kasper Schmeichel. It bounced out. It was knocked in. And um, in the end, VAR basically made a mistake. They got it wrong, as um, we've seen over here, that they do on occasions. And Genk actually took the case to court and they won. And now they've been forced to replay um, the football match. And whilst that's an interesting story, I think perhaps the more fascinating side will be what sort of um, ramification will, will that mean to the game, to VAR and the precedent it sets? It's unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, when uh, when I found out about this, that was the first thing that I thought, wow, is it only a matter of time before that happens over here? I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure how the club would be perceived if they were to go down uh, to go down that route, you know? Um, but yeah, if it's happened there, how long till it happens somewhere else and then again and again? And then you think, if that is going to happen, then... How, how's that ever going to work? I mean, there's the, the, basically there would be no room for it. They would have to scrap it, no? Well, I, it sets that... I mean, has there ever been anything that's come out of a, a Belgian court case that has affected the game before? <laughs> I think the Bosman. <laughs> uh, Bosman made a massive change on it, didn't it? And yep. Interestingly, though, of course, if you if you take yourselves back to, to October and you remember the game between Spurs and Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp, yeah. who we've been talking about on this episode, of course, uh, he, he said after that, because it was clearly they got it wrong, the offside, didn't they? It was Luis Diaz, if my memory serves me right. Um, Klopp said, I've got the quote here, I think the only outcome should be a replay. That's how it is. It probably will not happen. The argument against that will probably be, if you open that gate, then everybody will ask for it. I think the situation is that unprecedented that a replay will be the right thing. Now, it didn't go anywhere. Obviously, they didn't take it to court um, like Genk have done. But blimey, if there's a big game and a big moment and something like happens like that and VR cocks it up, where, where, where does this lead to? We're losing a special part of the game like we brought in VAR and we could all agree that we wanted VAR because we thought if it was applied in the right way, then it would benefit the game. At the moment, it is still doing a good job, but some of the big decisions, they're still getting wrong, in, in my opinion. So now if somebody can take it to court... And win. And that's win. what that's I and, and win. Mm. They're gonna get cases every other week. And if you're in a if you're in a court <laughs> and say there's a judge, how do you like say okay that case is valid but this case is not? Then that opens another 
can of worms. It's just, it's killing yeah, the well, game. The judges will be acting as VAR to the VAR. <laughs> <laughs> That's I mean, ridiculous. I mean, we laugh, but it, 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 it is an interesting precedent. Absolutely, um, yeah. I want to end this episode with um, another manager that's uh, announced he's ending his job at the end of the season for slightly different reasons. Um, probably to Klopp and that's that's Xavi at Barcelona Ex extraordinary game they played um, at the weekend um, it ended up 5-3 um, against Villarreal got back to 3 all at one point and then Villarreal scored incredibly late as we're seeing often now that we're, we're getting longer amounts of injury time uh, into the game beat them 5-3 and he kind of emotionally announced his his resignation which is which is a shame. It's a tough job, that management, isn't it? I mean, he won the league last season. It's worth um, worth mentioning as well with a with a team that was, it's, it's certainly not, after all the problems that Barcelona have had as well, um, financially, that it's it's not the greatest Barcelona team I've ever the, seen. I think the quotes that I read from him, though, were really, were really interesting. There's a bit of him that probably thinks or knows that he hasn't been protected. It's sometimes an impossible job, hasn't been helped. At all, I think those were um, some of the quotes that I uh, that that I read from him. Um, so there was a bit of anger in his uh, in his voice as well, isn't there? He's not he's not going out and thinking, "Oh, this is amazing, this is brilliant." He's go he will go out with a little bit of anger, won't he? I I think so. It's definitely different to the Klopp situation, Absolutely. that's for sure. Yeah, it's just sad though, isn't it? When you've got these great players going back to manage the great clubs. Yes, like Gary said, he won the league. They played some exciting football, especially last season. But now it's sort of just been tarnished, you know? And I, and everyone's talking about Alonso going back to Liverpool and he should be the candidate. And he's just thinking to himself, I think he's got all the tools to do it. But is it just too early? And could he tarnish the legendary status he, he has at Liverpool? It's possible. He even said that if he... Um wins the Champions League this season, which does appear unlikely, I think, given perhaps the lack of strength of the of the squad. But even if he wins the Champions League, he's still going. Be a good way to go, though. I don't see that happening. Mm. I don't think they're that good. No, I would absolutely agree with that. Uh, just before we go, uh, we've got news of a little competition for you all. For those of you that have signed up to our newsletter, and if you haven't yet, uh, please do so at therestisfootball.com. And the prize is a signed England shirt. Mike has signed it. Alan signed it. And I've signed it. And all you've got to do is sign up to the newsletter by the end of this month. And you could receive a nice England shirt in the post. That's it from us. Goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs>